We're digging up one of the greatest action adventures in movie history this week on an extra-sized 100th episode of Rebooted! The podcast where we have recast 100 classic movie reboots, and Hollywood has not had to lift a finger. Kenna, we've made it to 100 episodes, and we are commemorating it by talking about a movie you have probably referenced in 99 of those episodes. <laughs> How are you feeling about it? This is one of the most important films of my life. <laughs> Hello, excuse me. Um, we both found your, your puzzle box, and we've come to ask you about it. No. 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 You came to ask me about Hamanaptra. How do you know that the box pertains to Hamanaptra? Because that's where I was when I found it. I was there. But you were actually at Hamanaptra. Yeah, I was there. You swear? Every damn day. No, I didn't mean that. I know what you meant. I was there. Seti's place, City of the Dead. Could, could you tell me how to get there? I mean, the exact location. You want to know? Well, yes. Do you really want to know? Yes. Then get me the hell out of here! I was gonna say like maybe indulge us in some sort of like lifetime and uh, like life anecdote, but I feel like that's like a three-hour long. Oh, I could I could tell you a, a, a life anecdote. Okay. Um. I remember watching this movie for the first time. We're not even going to say the name. I remember watching this movie for the first time. Um, it had already come out on home video. And I was, what year was it? It was probably like 90. It was 99. It was still probably 99 when it came out. So I was eight years old. And I remember my parents, <laughs> don't be upset about it. I remember my parents like letting my brother and I watch it and I had to stop it in the middle because I was scared. But that like never kept me from finishing a movie. So we just like woke up the next morning and like watched it during the daytime and I was fine. Um, but and then, then I everything remember, was different. Yeah. Things just weren't as scary, you know, <laughs> and thing and like so when the sequel came out a few years later, I remember going to the movies to see it. And the theater was packed out and we bought tickets and the only place we could all sit together, my whole family, was in like the second row. And so I sat and looked up at the screen the whole time. This is number two? Yeah. Okay. And um, I just remember like going to school the next day and being like, guys, I don't think you understand. The greatest movie to ever hit theaters hit. <laughs> and... Wait, you think Mummy Returns is better than this movie? No. Or your child brain was like, this because movie that, has everything. Yeah. And I mean, we'll get into it, but I feel like you can't talk about The Mummy without talking about The Mummy Returns because they work so well in in um, in concert. But I think there was a time when I would have said The Mummy Returns was my favorite. But I think time has tested The Mummy and shown that it is just an absolute perfect film um there's some things uh with it okay um i i still enjoyed one i had an okay time in two um i had to pay to watch three which i'm very upset about 
Yeah, why did you do that? Because <laughs> it's not on Peacock. The first two were on Peacock. And I wanted a whole... Because I wanted to see it in, in... I wanted to see the trilogy as a whole to understand like what happened historically to this fran- this once mighty franchise that um, started off so strong and then just kind of got diminishing returns to the point where... Um, and I promised myself not to reference it, Uh-oh. but we have to. But it got to the point where Universal was like, we have to go in a different direction. We have to reboot it, uh, which they did in 2017 with the ill-fated dark universe, uh, The Mummy, starring Tom Cruise. Um, yeah, I, I would say one is obviously the best for many, many reasons. Um, oh, I wrote down my notes turned into a list of my favorite things about the movie. And there are 17 of them. I numbered them. Okay. <laughs> Do you want to maybe give us the top five, top three? Oh, well, I didn't n- number them in. Oh, in order? So in order just a of a block of 17 things you love. Yeah. Like as they happened, I was just like, that's my favorite thing. And then something good would happen. I'd be like, that's my favorite thing. And then something else would happen. And I'd be like, that's my favorite thing. Do you want to do them now or do you want to wait until we're like deep into the. the oh, break? I can. I'll pepper them through. <laughs> okay. You'll bury pepper them through? Hey, oh, guys, <laughs> if you've been here for 100 episodes, you'll get the reference. If you haven't been here for the previous 99 episodes of The Boot, which then was remade into Rebooted, welcome to your first of hopefully many more episodes to come. I am Brian Flynn, and with me as always, 100 times, is Kenna Trent. Uh, Kenna and I are going to deep dive into the 1999 Classic action adventure, The Mummy, starring Brendan Fraser, Rachel Weisz, John Hanna, Odell Ferrer, Kevin O'Connor, and Arnold Vosloo. Yes, we're doing a... I almost said beef size. We're doing a... <laughs> Excuse me? I don't know why. We're, we're doing, doing a bun-length episode, guys. <laughs> <laughs> we are doing a massive extra-long episode to talk about this movie for our one double zero, And um, usually... On the podcast, we would talk about news, things are going on in the world, but um, we don't want to. This is our yeah. hour and a half, however long this is. So we're going to sort of take a look back on um, some of the things that we've done in this podcast, recasting so many movies, so many comedies, dramas, musicals, you name it, we've done it. Um, mm-hmm. So before we get into The Mummy, let's, let's take sort of a quick look back. Now... Um, my very lovely and patient girlfriend happens to be a data analyst. And we uh, realized, you and I realized that as we were preparing for this episode, we had never really written down all of our picks in one place. And so like put like, them together. Yeah. And so we wanted to talk about some of the picks that we had, but there was no database for it. So um, over the last couple of weeks... She and I have painstakingly entered every actor for every movie of every episode that we did into a database. And she ran some very cool uh, analyses for us. Nerd alert! And let's see where we land here. So um, loyal listeners will know that Kenna and I always pick a a place for Barry Pepper to go. Um, And so... Uh, he is not included in this because Barry. Pe- we have picked Barry Pepper over a hundred times. Now, yeah. we also have a, an Oscar Isaac rule, basically, to limit us from using Oscar Isaac in every movie because we kind of believe he should be in every movie, and because he should, he's that great. Mm-hmm. So, excluding Barry Pepper and Oscar Isaac, 
Kenna, can you guess which actor you and I mm. have picked the most over That's... the course of 99 episodes? Okay. I'm okay. I'm actually going to I'm going to think about this. I'm going to guess that it's a man. Actually, now that I say that, part of me wants to say that uh, okay. It's between two options in my head. I okay. think I think maybe we've either picked Zendaya or Jack Rayner the most. You would be incorrect on both accounts. Dang but it! Your instinct to maybe pick a woman was right on. Coming in number one, Alicia Vikander. Really? Has been recast most on this podcast at a total of six times six times twice by me uh-huh. four times by you four and, times. and in one instance you and i picked her for the same movie a couple weeks back we both picked her for casablanca she was picked you've picked her for gattaca sunset boulevard and the third man i picked her for vertical limit and then we both picked her for casablanca uh-huh. um you have the dubious honor of the, being the only one to have picked an actor more than twice. I have never picked an actor more than two times, which I, I, I feel like that's a badge of honor on my account. Whatever. <laughs> Can you guess who the second actor you have picked four times? Four times? <laughs> Holy cow. The, th- the funny thing about that is I actually do searches when I'm when I'm picking people to make sure that I'm not, like, overpicking people. So... <laughs> What the heck? Okay, who have I picked? I've picked this person four times as well. Yeah, do you want me to give you the movies that you picked them in and maybe that will help you? Yeah. Or that's that's kind of giving it away. Yeah, it probably is. Even though I looked back at some of my picks and I was like, huh? <laughs> yeah, there were a couple that I was like, <laughs> who I was I? <laughs> you first picked this person all the way back in episode 17. I don't know. I don't know our episodes by no, number. No, I don't either. Um, <laughs> um, do you want to guess, or do you want me to tell you? Who could it be? Who's someone I love? I don't know. Who is it? It is Bill Hader. Interesting. You four pick- times. <laughs> four times. City Slickers, Office Space, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, and Jingle All the Way. Yep, that checks out. Okay. I picked him once for Death Becomes Her. Mm-hmm making him the second highest actor we've picked. Um, John Boyega was almost picked four times, but... Just uh, by me? He was picked by you four times as well. And once by me. (laughs) But one of those four was a lost episode, so it doesn't count. Yeah, which maybe we should mention too. Technically, we've recorded like 103 episodes. Right. So we recorded an episode for Varsity Blues, which we nixed because basically we had an argument halfway through because yeah. oh. you hated this movie so much. We had an argument. Brian got mad at me. Uh, yeah, because it's like, let's keep it light here. And you were just like, I hate this movie. <laughs> I hate everyone involved in this movie. I guess I was making fun of it in a mean way, not you were in just a like fun mad. way. You were just like mad. Yeah, it was really like bad. Guys. It, was, don't, it wasn't great. Don't go rewatch Varsity Blues. But then we recorded an episode for Ever After twice. Yes, twice. And both were great episodes. It's a un- shame <laughs> you never got to hear it. Which unfortunately, uh, both times suffered from horrible audio. Unlike now where we have the best audio in the world. <laughs> um, but these were like really bad, like unlistenable quality yeah. of um, episodes. I feel like... 
there's two options we could do with that. We could, I could just record my microphone parts and then I take 17 hours ADRing myself <laughs> from a year, two years ago. Or be... we just do like a bonus episode and we're just like, we're just going to do the picks. Yeah, it would be fun to listen to it again and like do a commentary on our own episode. But also we're forgetting that Varsity Blues is not just a lost episode. It is also a cursed episode because there was a time when we got a uh, we got a file of our recording that was really messed up. Do you remember this? Oh, yeah. And like appeared somewhere, right? And in the middle of another episode, a section of Varsity Blues just literally (laughs) appeared like back for revenge. Yeah, it was like the ghost of. Uh, John Voight basically was like, we're going, like, he he forced his way into (laughs) this weird digital audio file. Um, Okay, speaking of most used actors, let's talk about where did Oscar Isaac go? Mm -hmm. Oscar Isaac has appeared in how many, how many movies do you think we have put Mr. Oscar Isaac in? Nine. Very close. Eleven. Oh, okay. Um, I have picked him six times. You have picked him five times. Mm-hmm. Only I, I mean, we've, this is our third year and we're very early. We're halfway through it and we're doing less episodes per year, but only I have ever used him all three times in a calendar year so far. You've only used him twice, I think. Um yeah, I think you've only hit him twice. I haven't that doesn't used you, yeah. up all three. Yeah, okay, in, yeah. In a single year. So year one, you had him twice. Year two, you had him twice. And so far in year three, you've used him once. Mm-hmm. Um, the movies he appeared in were all the way back in episode three, Gladiator, when the rule started. Twister, Bull Durham, Bram Stoker's Dracula, Speed, Anaconda, Tremors, Sneakers, The Mask of Zorro, Sahara, and Highlander. <laughs> and... Not once have you and I picked him for this, not even for the same movie, let alone the same role. Wait. Oh, no, 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 no. Now I'm remembering. Because part of me is like, didn't we pick, we picked the same person in Gladiator, but not, it was not Oscar Isaac. Um, that's so funny. I sincerely wish that's what his IMDb looked like. <laughs> Just like banger after banger of 90s, like action movies. It's incredible. Yeah. Um, okay. Last but not least, who, which actor have we recast the most? Wait, didn't we already talk about this? No, not which actor have we used in our oh. recast. Which act, like which, which actors IMDb have we recast the most? Basically. Oh, like? I mean, well, I, I, mm, okay. We've done a lot of, we've done a lot of Nicolas Cage. But we yes, did a we whole have. we did a whole month of Kevin Costner, so we've yes, definitely we done four or five movies of his. Yes, I'll say this: Kevin Costner comes in at number four. Oh wow! And he is one of. Hold on, let me find it. Um, Kevin Costner is one of two actors that we have done four movies on. Okay. But there's still three. I mean, he's tied. Okay, so he's tied at number three. Technically. Okay. Because this is... um, Above him is Sean Connery. Okay. Above him 
which is sort of a technicality at four and a half times Bill Paxton has been recast. Half and a times, half. Because I used the I bonus picked him for Tombstone, so it oh, doesn't okay. really count. The number one with a bullet at five movies of his that we have recast. Uh-huh. Bruce Willis. Yes! My boy. That makes Death me so happy. <laughs> Death Becomes Her, The Fifth Element, The Siege, Armageddon, 12 Monkeys. Man. Bruce has been recast the most times. And here's who we have recast him with. Mm-hmm. Bill Hader. <laughs> <laughs> James Marsden, John David Washington, John Krasinski, Matt, uh, Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, Jillian Anderson. Very surprising. And Josh Brolin. Oh, and David Harbour and Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah. Yeah, Bruce is a Bruce is a personal favorite because of this podcast. Yes, this podcast has actually made me love his work way He's... more than I ever uh, anticipated I would. Place is dead, Bruno. I'm out of here. Lock up for me. Yeah, okay, Rock. Have a good night. Listen, I've talked about this a lot. He's so talented, and I don't think we fully... I don't think we understand. Um, Sort of some bad news that have come out of the data. Unfortunately, of the most recast actors, only one woman made it into the top 10. (gasps) And we did not hit a person of color until 26th on the list. Really? So Meg Ryan is the only woman who has... We, whose movies we have recast three times. Uh-huh. Uh, Morgan Freeman uh, is number 26 in a slew of like 20 other actors that we've recast four of his movies. Um, so here's the thing about that, though. That's Hollywood's fault. We have made a very concerted effort to bring more people of color into leading roles in our recasts. Okay. Hollywood just sucks. Yes. Also, sorry, this data is wrong. So we've done three Meg Ryan movies and two uh, Morgan Freeman movies. And there is like 50 actors that we've just done like two. So something to think about for the next hundred, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, Thank you, Dana, for this lovely data and for helping us take a great look back. But we're not done talking about ourselves because why not? Why would we be? This is our (laughs) podcast. We can do whatever we want. Listen, if you don't like us talking about ourselves, then we're sorry. But please keep listening because we need you. We want you. It's fun. (laughs) It's going to be fun. All right. Shall we do best and worst of? Best of, worst of. We're going to pick apart our reboots. So, Brian, do you want to tell me what your favorite reboot that you have done on the whole is? Uh, yeah. Okay. It's one of two. I'm going to go with the first one I wrote. I think my Apollo 13 recast was some of my best work. Okay. Who did you pick? I had John Krasinski, Jake Gyllenhaal, Jake Lacey, Ben Foster, Lee Schreiber, and Mary Elizabeth Winstead for a whopping six person cast that we did for that episode. Yes. And I think that that's just talent unbounded right there like yeah um i think john krasinski is very good but like the next like five actors behind him would just make him like rise 
to yeah. their their level. Right. And and I think the the magic of that is that in an all-American film about American heroes. <laughs> <laughs> like that I mean that's what we're getting and that's great. I I was looking through this and I was I was looking at my cast being like, "Man, I picked some real absolute studs here." And then I look at yours and it's like British actor, British actor, Australian <laughs> actor, British actor, British actor. Well, that's because I picked I I did the I remember I looked at pictures of the real people to base actors that I loved off of their uh that they matched the way they looked. So, so. And I thought I did a pretty good job of it. Um, I, I don't. I'm trying to look up who you actually picked. I just remember Rafe Spall being somewhere in there. Ugh, I love Rafe Spall. Where is it? Where are you? Oh, there it is. Um, <clears throat> Rafe Spall, Sam Worthington, Channing Tatum. Channing Tatum, American. Killian Murphy. You also picked Barry Pepper in the cast, which Hell I was yeah, very... I did. <laughs> that was probably the one time that that's ever happened on this show. <laughs> Uh, and Ruth Wilson. So yeah, British person, Australian person, American person, Irish person, American person. I think Ruth is Ruth Wilson British. I don't yeah. remember. Okay. Yeah, I believe she's English. All right. Yeah. What did what did Whatever. you uh, what did you choose for your number one? Um, I picked for my favorite reboot of mine, Jaws, and oh. I remember this cast causing quite a bit of shock when I did it. <laughs> I picked, I feel like you're going to judge me for this. I picked Leonardo DiCaprio. What? <laughs> what? Uh, what? Yeah, that's what I did. Why? <laughs> Brian is upset. <laughs> I'm like making him more sick. <laughs> But of all my casts, I think the one that I was like, yes, if I saw a trailer for this movie and it was these five people, I there was no, there's just no way I wouldn't go see this movie. Um, so I picked for Chief Brody, Leonardo DiCaprio. Quint is played by Christian Bale. Hooper, who drives the boat, is played by Sonika Martin-Green. Ellen Brody, Brody's wife, is played by Kate Hudson, and then the evil mayor is played by brian cranston um looking at christian bill for quint i'm like that's pretty good kate hudson seems out of place really i don't know why i think i i i guess it's like it's not a great part for i mean as it currently is right it's she's just sort of right. like a worried mom and wife she's which, a concerned mother which we've talked about that role several times i just i don't know it's like you have like Oscar award winner, Oscar award winner. I don't really... Who's Sonequa Martin-Green again? Um, she was on uh, uh, The Walking Dead, interestingly. Ugh, I and, <laughs> and, um, and she stars in Star Trek Discovery. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. She's very good. I just am like... I don't know. Kate Hudson sticks out to me. I feel like you... I don't know who I would want, but I would want more... Academy sort of recognized name. Whoa. We I want prestige. I want a prestige. Be, we can't all be uh Anne Hathaway. We can't all be <laughs> Kate Blanchett. Kate Blanchett would be really bad. Do you imagine <laughs> DiCaprio and Kate Blanchett pretending to be a couple? 
I actually could not. Um, okay, so we're going to move on to our next category, which is our favorite reboots of each other's picks on the whole. So where do you think I did the best job? Um, <clears throat> you you did a you do you generally do a great job. Thank you. Um, this one was particularly hard. I do think that there was one movie above all that as I was going through, I was just like, I would pay so much money. I would risk getting COVID to go to the theater to okay. watch this movie. <laughs> okay. But I think I really love your Dracula reboot. Mm. Jude Law, Anna Taylor-Joy, Bill Skarsgård, Christoph Waltz, Jodie Comer. Like Jude Law as Dracula? Yeah. Yes. Anna Taylor-Joy as uh, Mina is, it's so right. And I think there was like, I, I kind of remember wanting to pick her, but as you now know, I don't pick anyone more than two times. So <laughs> um, Bill Skarsgård as Jonathan, I think is great. Christoph Waltz as Van Helsing is, is, I mean, it's, it's sort of like a different version of his character in like Django Unchained, but like, and Jodie Cormer as, uh, God, what's, what's the other character's name? Um, um I want to say like, name? it's, um, let's see. Um, Lucy. Lucy Western rat. Yeah. I just, it's like, it just works. It's so good. Yeah, I remember being pretty excited about Jude Law as Dracula. I mean, I'm excited about Jude Law all the time. Do you remember who my, <laughs> my Dracula was? I remember looking at it. No. It was Oscar Isaac. I just told you a couple minutes ago. Jeez. She was in Dracula. <laughs> Why did you do that? <laughs> That's not good, Brian. What? You don't think Oscar Isaac <laughs> as Dracula wouldn't work? Oh, man, I'm in. I don't, I don't like that. Oh boy. All right. But, um, um, <laughs> um, but now I'm going to talk about something that I do like. Um, so your, my favorite reboot of yours is Con Air. Oh. Um, you picked uh, Channing Tatum as Cameron Poe, Dev Patel as Vince Larkin, Michael Fassbender as Cyrus the Virus Grissom. Winston Duke as Diamond Dog and Jimmy Simpson as Garland Green. That's pretty good. It's a good all around, like, especially there is something about Channing Tatum as the lead of this movie that just really makes sense to me. And everything that sort of followed it, like, yeah, again. It's been downhill since no. episode <laughs> no, nine. No, 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 no. That's episode nine. Connor no, was episode no, no. nine. Everything since then has been no. The a, rest a of the cast dovetail. Just the rest of the cast. <laughs> oh, okay. Just all like everybody falls into line, and I love that because there is some like some of these picks are kind of like Michael Fassbender, who is like a high caliber actor as the villain. I mean, I again like it's a movie that I'm like if I saw all these people in one movie, I'd be like, yeah, there's no way I'm not going to watch that. Right. Well, great. We you also picked Jimmy Simpson for your Conair, but it um, as a different character. Yes. Oh, I should. This is some other data I forgot to put in here. We have picked the same actor. Mm -hmm. I think also eleven times. One, two, three, ten, eleven, twelve times. Whoa. Very strange. That's pretty good. 
we're at like a 10% for hitting an actor in the same cast. Well, in the same cast, because then there's one, two, three, uh, three, four, five, five more times where we pick the same actor, but just in different roles. I love when that happens because I think that's just like an automatic, it's an automatic go, you know? Like, re- if we can agree on one person who's going to be perfect for it, let's just make the movie, you know? Right. I mean, it, it just, like, Alicia Vikander, Casablanca, we were like, yeah, who else, <laughs> who, who, do we, let's move on. Let's, let's get the cameras, get the, get the catering in here. Let's just set the lights up. All right. Now we're going to, we're getting into a little sort of testy area here. <laughs> Least favorite pick by our co-hosts. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I guess I'll go first. Go for it. Um, I wrote down two. I already mentioned one. It was two. You know, well, because I'm trying to pick. You know, okay. I'm trying to pick out of like which one Jeez. really bugged me. <laughs> I mentioned Gillian Anderson as as Bruce Willis's character. That one was weird, but I understand the ideas that you were trying to go for there. I think the number one pick that still to this day leaves me like, what were you thinking? was Will Smith as Colonel Nathan Jessup in A Few Good Men. What? Really? Yes, and here's why. Um, I sort of think Will Smith might be, like, one of the nicest people to be on screen. Like, un- like even in his more dramatic roles, like in Ali um, and uh, just the two of us or whatever, like, even when he gets mad, I'm never, like, scared of him. I'm never, like... Th- feel like I've been threatened by him. I don't know if he's ever really played many villains. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's his space. And that's the one where I was just sort of like, and maybe it's because A Few Good Men is like one of my favorite movies and I'm still just kind of like tripping on it. But that was the pick that I was just like, I don't know about this one. I think this one was like, I just, it felt like like a lab experiment where you were just like, I think this is going to be great. Mm Mm-hmm. And on the outside, I'm like, I think you're building a bomb. Like, I think you're just oh mixing chemical, like volatile, like chemicals and chlorine gas is just going to start spewing out. But I think I think you're right in that this isn't something we see him do. And so it's hard to imagine him do it. But I'd show up for that. He's a he's a star taking a taking a, a heel turn. We're what here you, for it. What do you think the reviews on his performance would be? Mixed. Very mixed. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, okay. So my least favorite pick of yours, I went way back. Um, and I, it's really based on the whole. So hear me out. My least mm. favorite pick of yours was Rosa Salazar as Anigo Montoya in The Princess Bride. Yep. And I okay. say that because looking at the rest of your cast, it's perfect. Like Nicholas Holt, Natalie Emanuel, Nick Kroll, Michael Sheen, Christian Narn, Kate McKinnon, Rachel Dratch, John Oliver. You did a bunch of bonuses, which is annoying, but <laughs> fine. Because I think like your instincts are correct, but there was something about that in the middle of it that I was like, I, I really like her. I don't think it sits in the middle of everything else that's just really chef's kiss. I agree with you because that was one of the ones where I was like, oh, this this one was a good one. And then I saw her name and I was like, why did I why did I do that? Yeah. Um, had I put Oscar Isaac in there, it would immediately <laughs> been like best movie I've ever done. Truly. Um, but I, I get it. I see it. 
Also, yeah. did you notice how I sandwiched my least favorite in in a little compliment? That was yes. really nice that I did that for yeah. you. And I sort of dogged on your pick <laughs> like a lot. This is the banter that people have spent that have really invested in the last hundred episodes. Okay, top three reboots you would like to see out of the out of the ninety nine that we have done. I think a baller move. Yeah, I want you to go first. And I think a baller move if you put the mummy on there. Just <laughs> like, <laughs> you're like, yeah, one the mummy. Boom. Let's, <clears throat> Done. Okay. Okay. Um, the three movies, and this was really tough because looking back at it, it was tough one because there are several movies that have been remade or that have, uh, th- there's been news that it's going to be remade since we did it. And so I sort of was like, well, this is kind of happening. But it's hard, I think, because we've done a lot of great movies or we've come up with, I think, really great ideas for reboots. But my top three are Mannequin, uh-huh. Dragonheart, oh, okay. and Waterworld. Waterworld was close on mine. Waterworld, I, okay. Mannequin, yes, 100%. 100%. Check the tape, 100%. That movie needs to be remade. Waterworld, I get it. Maybe in the vein of like Mad Max, like Fury Road, kind of 100%. Like just a much better, faster action water movie. Yes. I think the the, the strange one is, um, shit, what did you just say? Um, Dragonheart. Dragonheart. I was, <laughs> I was going through my cast and I was just like, man, Dragonheart was really weird. Like, <laughs> who's the girl? A nuisance. Get rid of her. Why? They're trying to placate you with a sacrifice. Whoever gave them that bright idea? Never mind. Just get rid of her. Oh. Eat her. Oh, please. Yeah. Aren't we squeamish? You ate Sir Eglamour, hypocrite. I merely chewed in self-defense, but I never swallowed. Here's the bonus of making it now. The graphics are much much better. Mm -hmm. You would not get a dragon puppet unless you were, that was something that was a plus for you. Um, I don't mind it. (laughs) Um, okay. I mean, dragons are hot right now. People people love fantasy. It's a big... It's a... Like, among these movies, it's a, like, childhood favorite of mine that I think has... Uh, I've probably talked about this a lot in the episode, so just roll that tape. But, like, I think it just has a good um, potential to develop a mythology that would be fun to redo. Yeah. So sue me. <laughs> uh, okay. okay. My top three, and there was a couple that I was like, ooh, really wanted to put on there. Uh, Number three, I'm going to go with the, this is a cheat. As you know, I like to kind of squeeze in more than I should, than I'm allowed. Oh my gosh. But I picked the Three Musketeers slash Man in the Iron Mask. Okay, I, I agree that they should come as a package. Three Musketeers, movie one. Man in the Iron Mask movie three, and then you can either make an uh, your, an original adventure for number two, or take some more of the source material, source material, and and build a second installment. But that seems to me like a natural trilogy from the get go. Like, um, I would keep the music from the '90s. I would keep literally almost everything <laughs> about the '90s movie. I, I think it was one of the best, like the most fun movie to rewatch and like re recast was like that whole Chris O'Donnell Kiefer Sutherland kind of uh it's a hoot adventure like, yeah that is the best 
And listen, I've said it before. I'll say it again. One of the greatest songs ever written for a film. All for love. Now it's all for one. It's really good, and I love The Three Musketeers, and I think it would be so fun to have, like, a cast for the first movie and then the second movie and then either recast them all for, like, the later adventures or, like, mm-hmm. take 10 years off and, like, do a, do finally do a third one. But that's getting ahead of myself. That's fun, though. I like that as an idea. Create a trilogy in which you get, like, young and old. Yeah. Uh, coming in at number two, I went with Stephen King's The Dead Zone. Oh. Uh, I just watched Doctor Sleep the other week. Mm-hmm. That movie's incredible. It's like, so good. I I was ready for it to be like okay or like good. It's actually like really fucking good. And you know I'm critical of a movie that's over two and a half hours. Yeah, God help me. No movie needs to be that long, but it feels short. Like I enjoyed every second of it. It's it good. Was- it was exactly it it felt like I was reading a Stephen King book. Like it starts with like a really slow burn, like how you reintroduce to Daniel Torrance and like the little girl and like the whole idea of like energy vampires, like that's so lame, but they did it so mm-hmm. well. And it just it's so phenomenal. Stephen King material is so big right now, and I just thought that like the dead zone is a natural place to do a, like a heightened horror thriller about like you know a guy who can like touch people and see their future and see like the truth and he has to like assassinate a political leader i think you know the world is sort of at a fever pitch right now and that's a movie where you could take so much inspiration from real life um that it just sort of in my mind i'm like i th- i feel like this is it's a little ready for it yeah there's it's so prescient like there's good material there for sure okay number 1 <laughs> i can't believe this but it is absolutely my number 1 ever since we did it i can't stop thinking about how good of a movie this was sneakers i sneakers! need a sneakers reboot so bad that movie was so fun oh my god Possible. Cryptography systems are based on mathematical problems so complex they cannot be solved without a key. Janik must have figured out a way to solve those problems without the key, and he hardwired it into that chip. Anybody want to crash a couple of passenger jets? I said, turn it off. Turn it off. So it's a code breaker? No. It's the code breaker. It's so fucking good. It's just it's so, so good. good. 
There's like I hope you listen to this episode, but there's a scene in the movie where David Strathairn is blind and he uses <laughs> his blindness like a superpower at one point to help like uh like track noise in a way that helps them find a location they and it totally is totally forgot about 100% that. Hundred <laughs> percent the most genius thing I've ever seen. It's so good. And I I I I want to see it. I need it. I need it so bad. Because I think people will be like, what is sneakers? Like, I think people will think it's a right. brand new movie. Yeah. And and that's the thing, too, is like the old one is always going to have charm because it's like, uh, it's like, <laughs> it's not Robert Redford at his peak. It's not when like he would have been the coolest person to play a computer hacker. It's him when he's like middle age. Like, that's part of the charm. But if you made it with like like the new young hot things today it would be over it'd be great um all right those are my top three those are good those are good and i'm i'm pretty sure that someone is listening to this podcast and just stealing all our ideas so all (laughs) six of these movies that we just mentioned totally uh are totally gonna get remade and not by us well and not by us unfortunately even though i swear if we wrote a mannequin reboot (laughs) I wouldn't be, be qu- yeah. I wouldn't have to quarantine in like a two, like a tiny apartment. Would just be poolside in our like Hollywood Hills mansion yeah. because that movie would would fucking explode. Like yeah. people would love that movie. Yeah, a whole new generation would discover Hollywood Montrose. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that's it for looking back over the past ninety nine. You ready to look forward to episode one hundred? Yeah, let's do it. All right, guys, this is our remake of The Mummy. You're wondering, what is a place like me doing in a girl like this? Yeah, something like that. Egypt is in my blood. You see, my, my father was a very, very famous explorer. And he loved Egypt so much, he married my mother, who was an Egyptian. And quite an adventurer herself. Hmm. Hmm. I get your father and I get your mother. And, uh, I get him, but what are you doing here? Oh, look, I, I may not be an explorer or, or an adventurer or a treasure seeker or a gunfighter, Mr. O'Connell, but I am proud of what I am. And what is that? I am a librarian. The Mummy, directed by Stephen Summers, director of such movies as The Mummy Returns and G.I. Joe Rise of Cobra. Um, a classic. Van Helsing. <laughs> Which not does a, not hold up no, <laughs> at all. No, it doesn't. Uh, not a, not the best run of movies. Like, this is basically his masterpiece. Uh, stars Brendan Fraser as Rick O'Connell, Rachel Weiss as Evelyn Carnahan, John Hanna as Jonathan Carnahan, Oded Fair as Ardeth Bay, Kevin O'Connor as Benny Gabor, and Arnold Vosloo as Emotep the Mummy. I, I, I want to watch a documentary on the life of Brendan Fraser because this guy Ugh. was one of the biggest stars... And you watch his movies, and they're kind of weird. They're kind of goofy, whatever. But he's so charming in every one of them. Like, 
Yeah, he, I mean, just the fact that like he got this movie off of George of the Jungle. Like, if that's not range, I don't know. What <laughs> yeah, they to just tell rolled you. him over because he had the wig on. They're like, yeah, just start here and we'll we'll shave you later. But he like. <laughs> He was in, like, mega blockbuster movies. Like, this was the mm-hmm. movie that, like, made him a megastar. And then, I don't know what happened. Like, he clapped weird at the Oscars or something like that. And we <laughs> we, we just decided well, that we didn't want him anymore. Well, did you read the... The Hollywood Reporter, I think, did an article about him a few years ago yes, that explained some very sad things that happened to him. Um, he just hit a rough patch in life, which is really tough, because I think it... It caused him to retreat from the spotlight and he remove does a, himself from the yeah. industry. He does a voice on Doom Patrol, and I really want to watch that show because apparently it's like bananas insane. Mm-hmm. And uh, like, like Brendan Fraser was on a short list to play Superman in the '90s, and you watch this, a hundred percent, yeah. Like he's his eyes are just like they pop. His jaw is like square and strong. When they like, it, it's weird how when they like, meet him and he's like all cleaned up. Well, personally, I think he's filthy, rude, a complete scoundrel. I don't like him one bit. Anyone I know? Oh, um, hello. He is a movie star. He is, and it's a it's a bummer because I feel like his career could have could have gone on longer if they just made different choices for. The Mummy Returns and Mummy 3, The Tomb of the Dragon Emperor. I mean, just the, that title alone, you realize that they just went off the rails. Yeah. Um, but we picked this movie not just because that you love it. Well, mainly because you love it. But in recent weeks, there has been a ton of Dark Universe talk with Lee Wanell taking taking the helm of the Universal Blumhouse Wolfman remake right off the heels of the Smash remake of The Invisible Man. Now, we don't know if those two movies are, will be connected or what, mm-hmm. but conventional thinking suggests that there's a, there's a good chance of that happening, especially after Universal's desperate, and I mean desperate, attempt to create the Dark Universe. Yeah. So we figured that this might be our last chance to talk about this 90s classic before it's remade in 2021 or whatever. Uh, and so it just felt right. 100 episodes... Ken is favorite, you know, and Universal sort of moving more and more into their monster world. Let's just get in there before yeah. they do and just sort of talk about it. Um, do you want to do you want to hit me with some of your favorite stuff? Because like, if not, I'm just going to talk about oh, okay. this franchise um, as a whole. <clears throat> here's the thing. Some of these things are very superficial. Number nine is Benny Sandals. They're they're funny. <laughs> They're funny. They're a funny choice. Number ten is Rick's blue scarf. It makes him. It makes him look incredible. Um, so props to the costume department, basically, yes. is what you're saying. Yes. Um, there's a part when they go to uh, to find the Egyptologist, and they find Benny rummaging through his office, and Rick walks in and absolutely launches a chair across the room oh, and hits yeah. him, and it is, is so funny. incredible. That is so funny. And it's like, how many takes do you think that took? Honestly, I like to believe that something that insane happened once and Stephen Summers was like, we can't top what just happened. I want to believe that they did it six times and every time he hit him perfectly with the chair. <laughs> um, okay. 
Can we talk a little bit about the this franchise as a whole? Just oh, real quick. Oh, please. Please, let's. Okay, so um, I watched all three movies. I watched mm-hmm. the remake. I did not watch The Scorpion King because, let's be honest, the, the Scorpion effects in two are unwatchable like yeah. there's some of, they're regarded as some of the worst vfx like ever um but the mummy the first mummy made so much money so much money they greenlit the sequel the day after it came out that's yes. how successful it was like the director got a phone call and they they're quoted as just saying we need another one um it spawned so it spawned two sequels and a spin-off uh the scorpion king which may have kickstarted Dwayne Johnson's career as like a megastar. Like without the mm-hmm. mummy, we might not get the, ro- we probably would have gotten the rock, but who knows to which degree. But like, I remember right. when the Scorpion King, when he was going to be the Scorpion King in Mummy 2, everyone was like, holy shit, the rock is transitioning from wrestling to movies, which is not always mm-hmm. an easy thing to do. But the yeah. rock made it from this. Yeah. Um, okay, so with that in mind, with the idea that like this this movie was a big deal, it it, mm-hmm. it oh and it, an animated series, there was an animated series. Oh yes, there was. Um, but did the idea of sequels coming into play have any effect on your cast? Like, were you thinking like, I have to pick people that have to carry multiple movies because th- we know that this movie is such a banger yeah. that like it has to. So you just pick for one. No, like a hundred a hundred percent, you have to take in i think you just can't think about which i have my own particular take on how i on whether or not this movie should be remade and how it can uh affect the dark universe as it exists right now but like a team like that of people that are just so incredibly easy to watch and fun to watch yeah i feel like you can't help thinking of sequels for something like this that was maybe the hardest part for me for this movie is not only that like these that there is some sort of weight to like if you cast certain people in the first one and they don't shine two and three and four and five and six if you're lucky enough like well if they don't shine in one you might not get two but even if you do and every like everyone else does and you get two three four and five like that that character's that actor's going to be there the whole time and it's like that's very hard like it's very hard to cast these tentpole movies and like they considered like every actor for the, like Ben Affleck, Matt Damon, Tom Cruise, ironically Tom Cruise was considered Brad Pitt like top level They offered level... the part to Leonardo DiCaprio who wanted to do the movie. Yeah. Yes. And instead which, he had to do Titanic. The which is money so weird. I would pay to <laughs> see Leonardo DiCaprio in this movie. He would have had a totally different career, like a totally different career. Oh, yeah. But it's equally as hard to pick, like, people that can carry these tent poles. It's also equally hard when everyone in this goddamn movie is so sexy. Everyone in this movie is sexy and and hot. Yes. And it's it's distracting and, like, trying to find people. Like, we will talk about, like, we will talk about Oded Fair. (laughs) Arguably the star of this movie. In length distractingly good looking but it's like rachel vice despite her weird eyebrows like her weird like late 90s plucked (laughs) eyebrows she's gorgeous in this movie yeah gorgeous the mummy emotep is sexy why is the mummy sexy (laughs) we don't want that but then we do want it because it's like holy shit this movie is like actually like a love story across space and time it's really crazy um 
Yeah, it was hard. This one was a hard cast for me. I, I'll be honest. Like, I, I'm, I'm very nervous about my picks and also your reaction to my picks. Um, yeah. and, um, just because it's your favorite movie, this is episode 100. Your favorite cast of mine came in episode nine. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I, I'm working from behind <laughs> here. <clears throat> it was hard to pick. It's hard to find, like, Arab actors, you know? Like, I, fe- mm-hmm. like, I felt, like, the similar pressure to, like, Last of the Mohicans. Like, okay. it's hard yeah. to find Arab actors or Arab American actors um, that not only people would know, but, like, fit these roles. Like, I, I don't know. It was a little difficult. It's also like, this is one of those movies where sometimes you feel a weight of recasting where you're like, okay, maybe the movie wasn't that great. And so you're like, I need to find better people to execute it, to execute a good idea in a better way. This is like, no, every single person in this movie played their part perfectly. And so trying to find someone who could do the same, just the same, is still pretty high bar. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's really high. Do you want to go first? I feel like you should go first. Sure, I'll go first. So we're doing Rick first. Rick O'Connell, played by Brandon Frazier. Um, a man who I feel like is coming back. I feel like he's got to come back. Yeah, I think he's slowly making his his comeback. Um, I'm honestly just waiting for him, for someone to believe in him as much as I think his fans in general do, to just be like hey, you should star in this big thing just to, like, get yourself back out there. And, like, like just, I feel like he just needs one role. He needs, like, a bird man. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, he, he needs, like... He, he needs, like, an acting role. Yeah. Like, something he can really sink his teeth into. <sighs> anyway. Got, um, so, for my Rick O'Connell, let me double check uh, to make sure there aren't <clears throat> other... Favorite moments that involved Rick. <laughs> oh, my! one of my favorite things about Rick is that at the end of the movie, Rick actually tries to save Benny. He tries to help yes. him out. And that is the sign of a good man. Yes. I appreciated that as a character moment, that he didn't just be like, sucks to suck, goodbye. Like, he tried to help him. I thought that was great. Also, Benny's, Benny's death is the worst death in the movie, because that's my biggest fear. Of just being like buried alive, like isolated, and forgotten forever. Yeah, and just like the, entombed. The bugs eat you. Not even the bugs. The bugs actually are helping me, like kill me quick. But like <laughs> the moment where like the pyramid just kind of collapses and he's mm-hmm. just like alone. Darkness. Oh fuck! Yeah. Um. There's also a great moment where Rick uses Ardeth Bay's scruff to light a match, and then two minutes later, he does it to himself. <sighs> Incredible. <laughs> incredible um he is yes it's hard to beat brendan fraser in this role it is the quintessential action adventure hero role you gotta be hot you gotta be funny you gotta be you gotta be able to do the action you gotta be able to be the gunslinger you have to be a romantic lead like, there's something so sweet about the moment where, like, he stops to, like, give Evie the the kit that he stole from one of the Americans, and it's so, like, endearing because he's a little nervous. So, uh, what are these old uh, mirrors for? Ancient mirrors. It's an ancient Egyptian trick, you'll see. Uh, here, this is for our view. Go ahead. It's, uh, it's something I borrowed off our uh, American brethren. I thought you might like it. You might need it for when you're... Uh... 
You have to, you have to have that kind of energy. So I'm a little surprised by my own pick, but I think I think he could do it. I picked Liam Hemsworth. <laughs> I almost picked him. Really? He sat in my list for a whole two weeks. And the reason I didn't pick him, and I've seen a lot. I've, I don't know if I've seen a lot of I've seen him in Hunger Games. I saw him in, uh, what's that rom-com? Camp, isn't it romantic? Camp, isn't it romantic? Yeah. Um, he's funny. He's definitely taking a page out of his brother's book of just be like, just be weird and funny and like good looking. I didn't end up picking him, but he was deaf. I mean, he was, he's the only other person I could think of because he's, he's got it. He's got it. I think I'm, we're excited to see Chris Hemsworth. I don't know if we're yet to be excited for right. Liam Hemsworth. I don't that know was, if he has the same star power. I think that was true. my only reservation is like, is he is he Billy to Chris's Alec? You know what I mean? Like, mm. so I was a little apprehensive, but yeah, I got a yes. That's a great pick. I think he has all the elements, whether he would put them together in such a way that it would work. We'll yeah, see. I feel but, like it, that pick and and my pick as well is is very much like you have to get the right you have to get the right director for this and you have mm-hmm. to get everyone on the same page of like what's the tone of this movie? Yeah. What's your role in this movie? Um yeah. Brendan Fraser makes this movie. And and this is where I'm going to talk about it. The biggest sin the sequels did to Brendan Fraser was basically age Rick up like 20 years within yeah. 10 actual years. Brendan Fraser, by the end of the third movie, is supposed to be a father of like a 20-year-old man <laughs> while looking like he's 40 years old going on 36. The inclusion <laughs> of Alex, like the child he and that Rick and Evie have in number two was such a, such a misstep. Mm-hmm. Because I think some producers are like, oh, and we'll have a kid and a kid will like be on the adventure. But it's like... We don't want Rick to be a dad. We don't want him to be like a married dad. We want him to be like that Han Solo, Harrison Ford, Indiana Jones, like rogue. I think it's like if you want a kid in there, just in, just involve a kid. Just have a kid, a random kid, just a local kid. It doesn't matter who's kid. Maybe it's Jonathan's kid. Who cares? Like <laughs> it was just like it was such a mistake to like try and make brendan fraser older than he was because he's still like he's still so charming and and funny and good looking by the second one that you're just kind of like it's just not fun to have give him a kid like it's just not fun think of every friend you have that has a kid they're immediately (laughs) not fun um so yeah uh this was very hard and i think the reason i didn't pick liam hemsworth because i was kind of going through a rolodex of like actors that would fit this bill you know like your, your Hemsworths, your Jack Rayners, your, I don't know, Adam Drivers. It's like it kind of felt a little old hat. So I tried to go out of the box and pick someone that is a definite fresh face who I think mm-hmm. people are going to see. I hope people are going to see a lot more of. Um, uh, I wanted someone who maybe on the come up who can be funny and vulnerable Ooh. while also looking like he can slam a bunch of mummies through a wall. Oh, yeah. Um, I picked Tom Cruise. No, I did not pick Tom <laughs> The prime of his life. <laughs> I picked an actor by the name of Jonathan Majors, who uh, starred in The Five Bloods. 
that came out on Netflix last month and is in that new Lovecraft show. Okay. Um, and is it at a ripe, ripe? Here we go, talking about people like their food. Yeah, uh, do it. A ripe thirty years old, like he is. Mm-hmm. He is in that range. I think Liam Hemsworth is what 32, 31? I think he's yeah, he is thirty. Yeah. Um, but I thought maybe this would be a um a fun Rick to kind of put in there, like to not have sort of the baggage that a more established actor would have. Like you just kind of give him the room to build his own version of it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think people will be more accepting of that. I, I kept thinking about like in Star Wars franchises, the leads are not always like the most famous people, right? Yeah. Yeah, um, they like to they like to do the big casting search. Yeah. So that's who I went with. I if you have not seen the five uh the five bloods, it's an incredible movie. Um he's really good in it. Um it's he plays a his character has a very sort of painful history like trying to reconcile his with his father who has like tremendous PTSD. I think this guy is he's funny in it, he's charming in it. He has like a youthful quality. And not a lot of people know who he is. So I figured let's start from scratch. Let's build mm-hmm. this with sort of blank slates, I guess. Yeah. I, d- I don't know this guy. I'm excited to watch Lovecraft Country. So hopefully I'll become more familiar with him. But yeah, I don't think it's I don't think it's a bad move to pluck fresh faces and sort of uh, maybe uh, subvert the expectation of like trying to put a star in a role we know. I like that. Thanks. It's, I, it's a bold move. Just going back to your pick real quick. Do you think if like Liam Hemsworth's mummy comes out and it like fails that the Hemsworth house is just like Chris is just strutting around being like, oh, wow, that sucks, man. Do you like I have like three great franchises like, yeah, I, I killed men in black, but like you'll get there, buddy. Like it's just like this brotherly like I don't know, though, competition. Like, Luke Hemsworth is not exactly a movie star either, but. Yeah, I feel like they're all just like, I they, just wonder like what their, what is their dynamic now that the middle child is like the biggest star in the world? <laughs> I mean, I, that's really the ultimate come up to be a middle child and, to, <laughs> and all of your brothers are actors and you somehow have become the biggest superstar Australia has seen. <laughs> It's okay, a flex. It's a flex. It's for sure a flex. All right. Should we move on to Evie? Evie yes. Carnahan, played by Rachel Weiss. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, it's my pick. Uh, I think the hardest challenge for Evie, and this whole cast really, is trying to reconcile that halfway through the movie, she just reveals that she's like half Egyptian. And you're like, what? Yeah. Uh, which made it really, really hard for me not to. For me to just not cast Sophia Butella in this, like, I need a half Egyptian, half British actress who's beautiful and and captivating. Sophia Butella. Oh, wait. Yeah. She played the mummy in 2017. She was the mummy. Way to ruin that. Way to ruin that for me. Um, <laughs> so I chose a young, maybe too young, huh. uh, British actress and figured her Egyptian ancestry could maybe just be a little further up the family tree. Right. So it's not so, like, immediate that she's, like, you know from the Arab world. Um, all right. Well, then, for my pick, I picked Ella Purnell. 
from uh she was a, she is a teen actress who's now moving in towards like more young starlet kind of roles she's in a show on stars called sweet bitter which i watched it's not the best okay. show but she really she really stands out as sort of like a more mature she's 23 that's mm-hmm. why i was like uh, okay so my actress 30 she's 23 it's not weird. It's not a real weird age gap, but like I was worried that she wasn't going to like read as like a like as a sort of age appropriate romant romantic pairing, but I think she okay. does. Like um and I didn't see that weird Tim Burton movie where she, I think she was like 19 in that movie. So I was just trying to avoid all of her child like work right and watch more of her um but she's like she I feel like she is, and the and the one thing I've seen her in, like she plays a fish out of water very well. She plays someone who has like the ability to like adapt very well. And and you give her a part like Evie, where it's like she is the compendium of all things like Egyptian culture. She is like the she's better than every Egyptologist in the world because she mm-hmm. soaks it all up, and she's like she wants to see the city of the dead. She wants to go to this place. Did I miss something? Are we? Are we going into battle? Lady, there's something out there. Something underneath that sand. Yes, well, I'm hoping to find a certain artifact. A book, actually. My brother thinks there's treasure. What do you think's out there? In a word, evil. The Bedouin and the Tuaregs believe that Hamanoptera is cursed. Oh, look, I don't believe in, in fairy tales and hokum, Mr. O'Connell, but I, I do believe that one of the most famous books in history is buried out there. The Book of Amun-Ra. It contains within it all the secret incantations of the Old Kingdom. It's what first interested me in Egypt when I was a child. It, it's why I came here, sort of a, a life's pursuit. And the fact that they say that it's made out of pure gold makes no never mind to you, right? You know your history. I know my treasure. I liked how like she is more of a go-getting character that happens to find herself on the sacrificial altar. Um, but, you know, she's act, she's she's part of it. She's part of this adventure. She's not just, like, a woman who's just there for the men to, like, fight over. She is the one who is pushing the story. She's the reason the mummy is risen. She's, like, the one who drives them to the City of the Dead. I think I've made my point very clear. I'm just sort of rambling. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's the I think that's what makes it so great is that she is the smartest person in the room. They need her in such a way that it's not just like, oh, she's the accessory, like she is the driving force, even though like, I think they paint Rick to kind of be the hero of the movie like she is. She has so many of the hero's characteristics that they need. That's really cool. This is a good part. Yes. Who you got? I went a little more of a movie star role yes. route. Yes. Because I think this person has spunk. And I think this person. Spunk? Yeah. Do people have spunk still? I feel like. I think when I say this name, you're going to be like, oh, yeah, this woman has spunk. I think she can be funny. I think she can be. Uh, I think she can pull at your heartstrings. I think she can be. She can. She's a sturdy actress. Like. There's something about her that you trust and that you're going to believe as she's like running from mummies and 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 crazy uh, gunslingers. Yeah. I picked Florence Pugh. Yes. I mean, 
just looking at the data here, she is now the fourth most. No, just kidding. Stop. <laughs> I love Florence Pugh. Yeah, I'm really bummed. I mean, uh, one of the several things I'm bummed out because of this pandemic, but like not being able to see her in Black Widow yet. Mm-hmm. Um, she looked like she was about to like really notch up her like definitely her acting her action chops but like her career i feel like is like she's so in right now for such a good reason she's so cap um so captivating and fuck she's so good she can do anything and that's the kind of person you you need someone who can do anything and needs to do everything that's called stealing you know according to you and my brother it's called borrowing I thought the Book of Amun Ra was made out of gold. It is made out of gold. This isn't the Book of Amun Ra. This is something else. I think this may be the Book of the Dead. The Book of the Dead? Are you sure you want to be playing around with this thing? It's just a book. No harm ever came from reading a book. She was amazing in Little Women. Especially oh, yeah. her role in that as like the the sister who realizes that like who who vocalizes that part where she's just like I am a I am the third daughter. My only means of making money is to marry rich. Like, and she delivered that moment so spectacularly. Yeah. Um, great pick. Should we move on to Jonathan? I'm getting very nervous because I'm looking at my picks. I'm like, no one's gonna know who any of my picks are because they're all they're all kind of like Ryan. A little more on the indie side. I know. I don't know. Uh, Jonathan Carnahan, played by John Hanna, the comic relief. Kind of. I mean, it's out of many, many. He's not solely the comic relief, but he's kind of yeah. uh, his main job. He doesn't really get this the softer moments or like any evil moments. He's really kind of a fuck up. He's kind of like a, a cad and, and he's selfish and he gets everyone else in trouble. So, yeah, comic relief, I guess. That might be actually another thing I really liked about the animated series is when they introduce Jonathan, it's just clear that everybody hates him. And that's not the way it is in the movie, but there's just something so funny about calling it out and being like, oh, yeah, no, 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 no. He like he's ruined himself. He spends too much money. He's a drunk, like all these things that are kind of apparent in the movie. They're just like actually calling them out. (laughs) I wish you would do it sooner rather than later before you ruin my career the way you've ruined yours. Now get out. My dear, sweet baby sister, I'll have you know that at this precise moment my career is on a high note high note ha. i think it's your pick it's interesting because i have quite a few jo- i think john Hanna is incredible in this movie um and there are quite a few jonathan moments on the on, on the, the favorite list moments. of 17 <laughs> jonathan slapping the warden awake only to pretend he's asleep when he wakes up <laughs> when they're riding the camels hilarious um I have one when they're escaping through the treasure room and like the temple is collapsing and Jonathan just stares around. He's like, come on, there's got to be something. <laughs> Can't we take? Can't we just take one thing? Um, um, I also really love when Evie tells him the last symbol and everybody like she's literally being choked to death. And he's like, oh, yes, I see. Also, the best setup of the whole movie when Jonathan picks Emotep's pocket at the end to get the key oh yeah loved it um okay anyway i just i think he's i think i love 
I love the idea again of the fact that like this is Evie's brother, the sort of like second favorite we're assuming, like got all the same education, but just never took never took to it. Um and so I wanted to pick someone who is that sort of like who I think could kind of play the dope. Like there's something smart about him and he has to use that knowledge at a certain point, but at every other point in his life, he's just kind of goofing off. Yeah. Um, and I picked an English actor by the name of Joshua McGuire, who you might know from Lovesick or About Time. <laughs> um, two very good movies. Okay. This is probably my most... Or one great movie, one great TV show. But this is probably my biggest pick that you're going to have to um, Google. But I I love this guy. There is something so endearing about him, but also something that makes you feel a little bit sorry for him. And I think that that energy is exactly what what the character of Evie needs to play off of. Joshua McGuire. I don't think I know this man. Wait, do I? <laughs> he has a very familiar face, but by all accounts, I should not know who he is. Only you. Was Can he I an episode? Oh, he was in later seasons of the of Misfits, maybe. I think I saw him years ago in Misfits. <laughs> but my memory of him is fading because <laughs> I think he dies in like the first five episodes. Um. Okay. I trust you. I trust this pick. I don't know this this man. I'm sorry to this man. But uh, well, he sounds great. Here's I, the thing. You're just going to have to trust me on this one. <laughs> you have one pick that I don't know, and then I have like six picks you're not going to know. But you'll Here's know the a thing. couple of them. I was three seconds away. Maybe even two. Maybe even one second away mm-hmm. from picking Rafe's ball to play Jonathan. Too old, right? A little too old. A little too but old. honestly... If he perfect. was like five years younger, yeah, he would be perfect. Chef's kiss. Um, I went with a slightly older actor uh, in the same range that John Hanna was, but uh, I was thinking, okay, shitty brother. Who is the most recognizable shitty brother <laughs> in pop culture for a lot of us? I ended up picking Harry Lloyd, who played mm. Daenerys Targaryen's shitty older brother. Mm-hmm. Um. I picked him because I kind of want to toss him a bone a little bit to play a, a, the opposite side of that kind of brother role where it's like Jonathan is Jonathan will do anything to protect Evie, but mm-hmm. he also might sell Evie to a bunch of pirates for like a bottle of whiskey. Like right. he, he means well, but he is he's just kind of selfish and narcissistic but like he truly is like good and loves his sister and is like he's not a coward he goes along this adventure Jonathan! Uh, O'Connell! Uh, sorry Jonathan! and he's a bit Coward tall. that you are! O'Connell you are not leaving me in here! This door doesn't open. She doesn't come out and no one goes in. Right? 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 Right. Let's go Jonathan. Oh, well, I thought I could just stay at the fort and uh, reconnoiter. Now! Yeah, right. We're just going to rescue them. I feel like Harry Lloyd, uh, who's also made appearances in uh, FX's Legion, 
and I want to say he was in a movie recently, but I'm too lazy to look at. Oh, he's in Brave New World. I don't. I haven't started that yeah. yet, but I hear good things. Um, I just I watched like, an episode of it. And I didn't like it very much. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, from other people, I have heard good things, but I just sort of felt like he's an actor who will always be remembered as this shitty Targaryen who mm-hmm. literally like m- married his sister off so he could get, you know, a kingdom or whatever. And I feel like. That shouldn't that shouldn't stick with him forever. He should get he should maybe we should give him some other roles so we, it dilutes that kind of great performance which he gave for that character. Um, and I I don't I don't know. I saw that him being like my favorite Jonathan moment is actually when we're introduced to him. He's straight up in a coffin with a dead <laughs> corpse and is just playing around with it. And it's like that's the kind like that's what I want to see him do. That's the Jonathan that. Those moments that make this character so funny and fun to like have him around. Uh, that's who I went with. I think that's great. Okay. Let's talk about the most beautiful man I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> <laughs> Let's yes. talk about Oded Fair. Am I saying his last name right? Yes. F-E-H-R? I believe so. What the shit? Like, this man <laughs> is so stunning. And I, t- and I, s- I texted this to you that I was like... If Evie met Ardith Bay mm-hmm. before Rick, I don't even understand how she stayed with Rick after meeting Ardith Bay. Like, if she met Ardith Bay before Rick, it'd be over. She'd just be like, I, I, my pants are an oasis. I am just going to stay with the Magi. I will, I will bear you 17 sons, and we will protect the city of the dead while I study it. And this, like, meat stick... With a bunch of guns over here, it can just, you know, he can go kick rocks. Like, Odin Fair is crazy good looking in this movie. And I, I, uh, I feel like that's the one of my biggest arguments for the sequel is that I think they realized what they had a little bit in mm-hmm. bringing him back for the sequel. And there are big moments. Every, okay, everyone looks uber cool in the mummy returns like this the sword fighting the everything but they make him look like such a hero yeah it is so remarkable that like truly you're finding yourself being like because there are a hundred different stories happening and you find yourself being like i could have just watched the little troop of of like evie and rick and ardeth bay for two hours just by themselves Okay, I I don't know if this will make the pod, but I want to be honest with the people out there and with you. Okay. Okay. I, in a very responsible way, Dana and I broke quarantine, and we rented a house, and we got tested, and our couple of our friends got tested, mm-hmm. and we all hung out in a house together for like a week, and I had to watch these movies, and I was like, guys, get ready to watch every mummy movie you've ever seen, <laughs> and every time he came on screen. Every time he came on screen, someone in the room was just like, good God. (laughs) Like, the women, the men, we were just, like, stunned at how good-looking this guy was. I told you to leave or die. You refused. Now you may have killed us all. You have unleashed a creature that we have feared for more than 3,000 years. Relax, I got him. No mortal weapon can kill this creature. He's not of this world. Oh, my God. 
What did you do to him? We saved him. Saved him before the creature could finish his work. I'll leave all of you quickly before he finishes you all. Bella, Emshi! I must now go on the hunt. And try and find a way to kill him. I already told you if I got him. Now this. This creature is the bringer of death. You will never eat. You will never sleep. You will never stop. Whose turn is it? I think it's my turn. So, originally I was trying to gender swap this role. Okay. I thought we needed more females in this movie kicking ass. And I was really trying to find an actress who wasn't Sophia Butella. Okay, <laughs> who, yes. Who could pull this off. Who could, who could just be like stunning. Just fucking stunning as this character. Um, unfortunately, the closest I could get... And this is going to bring up a larger issue in, in terms of casting this movie. Okay. Closest I could get was an Iranian actress. Okay. And that didn't feel right. Because as okay. I now have learned in trying into, you know, expanding my mind, Iran is not an Arab nation. It is a Persian nation. And that mm -hmm. to me was something where I was like, okay, well, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be the old Hollywood that will cast a South African man as an Egyptian mummy <laughs> or an American man as a vaguely Israeli, Egyptian, Tunisian man and just call it a day. So I ended up keeping it a guy. And so I was like, well, he better be hot as shit. So <laughs> I picked Marwan Kanzari from Aladdin. He played Jafar in Aladdin. I think he's better than that role. He's better than that movie. Guess what? Did you pick? Did you do it? I did too. Yeah, baby. All right. Because <laughs> here's the thing, I'm I, I I'm assuming we're both aware that he was in uh, 2017's The Mummy remake. But Barely. here's the thing. Here's the thing. Did you watch The Old Guard? Not yet. I put it on okay. and, and fell asleep. Not because it was boring, but because it was two in the morning, and I I yeah. I think it's okay if you thought it was a little boring. <laughs> there were parts that were a little boring, but okay. I had, I feel like I kept getting this guy stuck in my head because I was like, yeah, obviously I think he was a standout in Aladdin because there wasn't much going on in that movie and he was doing his darndest. Yes. Um, But he really is one of those people that shines in a cast of really again, like heroic, attractive people in the old guard. <laughs> and it is like all the things like he's hot. He can fight. He gives impassioned speeches about uh, love. Like he does it all. And I think this is like, really, if you uh, beef up this role a little bit for for this first movie. Yeah, I mean, this is a this is a good part. And this is a very good part. I would be excited to see him do this. Um, yes. Yes. Uh, well, great. I'm glad that we are on the same page. I, I, it's weird. He might... I guess Ella Purnell is famous, too. He might be the most famous person on my cast, which is a little worrisome, but I, I don't know. It's fine. A hundred episodes in, and I'm still like worried what other people are going to think about these actors that they've never heard of. It's like, <laughs> trust me, they're good. You're going to like them. They're... You're going to like this movie. All right. Um, <laughs> should we move on to Benji or you got some good moments with uh, 
Ardith Bay. I love how Ardith Bay, this is like one of the three trivia things I pulled up, but like Ardith Bay is actually Death by Ra, which I was like, Mm -hmm. I love a good anagram name. They also never say his name. Yes. In the the second one. Yeah. Yeah. But like, I love, I love a Tom Riddle. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, and you would love his introduction in the animated series because he literally bursts through the wall like the Kool-Aid man (laughs) ready to fight. And Evie is so excited to see him. Where have you, where is the animated series on? It's on Peacock. Oh, man, I would have, I would have crushed a lot of episodes. I don't know how Peacock works, but apparently you can watch stuff for free. (laughs) (laughs) I don't either. Uh, Okay, let's move on to Benji Gabor, played by Kevin J. O'Connell. I believe it's Benny Gabor, which is supposed to be... Why did I say Benji? I don't know. But it's supposed to be Hungarian. Okay. Yeah, Benny... Do you say Gabor? Gabor. Gabor. Like Zsa Zsa. Uh, Benny Benny Gabor. Um, What ethnic... So he's supposed to be Hungarian? He's supposed to be Hungarian. For those of you who have watched the movie with subtitles on... (laughs) Listen, that's how all intelligent people should be watching movies. Um, <laughs> in his native tongue, he speaks Hungarian. And his, and the origin of his name is Hungarian. Okay. Yes. Um, I think it is your pick. Okay, cool. Um, lots of fun things about Benny in this movie. He's a great, um, like, weaselly, mm-hmm. uh, weaselly s- semi-villain. He's yeah. he's on the side of the villain, but he's not really a villain. Um, big fan of the. <laughs> this is such an abstract moment, but there's a great part where everybody's first running away from the mummy, and he's like caught up in a blanket, and you just hear him going, "Leave me, leave me." <laughs> um, is he wearing eyeliner in this movie? Oh, he must be. Yeah. Right. Okay. He um, must be. Um, yes, we also love the moment where he's translating for Emotep and all the people who don't speak ancient Egyptian and he gets something wrong and Evie has to correct him. Um, this is my second favorite piece of trivia. Uh, Kevin J. O'Connor had been roughed up so much during the filming of the scene with Benny and the Egyptologist's office that he was badly bruised and his nipples had to be iced afterwards. Why is this on their IMDb? I don't know. And who wrote this? You're my hero. I will forever think of this every time I watch The Mummy. It is, I mean, maybe you're right. Maybe Rick hit his mark every single time. It <laughs> just hit him. And just nips. destroyed him. Okay, who's your pick? My pick for Benny is an actor whose name I cannot pronounce. Great. It is... It is David Dasmalchin. Okay. You know this actor <clears throat> from Ant-Man and the Wasp. Oh. And yeah. Blade Runner and Twin Peaks and The Dark Knight. Dark Knight. Yeah, he's fucking good. Um, That's a good fucking pick, man. I am I'm really glad I thought of this man because I think I think he's someone who would have a lot of fun with this part. And that's ultimately what we need is someone of of vague European descent that Rick meets in the French Foreign Legion and can't ever seem to be rid of. <laughs> what a surprise! My good friend, you're alive! I was so very, very worried. Well, if it ain't my little buddy Benny. 
I think I'll kill you. <laughs> think of my children. You don't have any children. Someday I might. Shut up. So you're the one who's leading the Americans. I might have known. So what's the scam, Ben? You take them out into the middle of the desert, and then you leave them to rot? Unfortunately, no. These Americans are smart. They pay me only half now, half when I get them back to Cairo. So this time I must go all the way. Them's the brakes, huh? He is an actor who people would categorize as that guy. He's just uh, in everything. And he can be funny. He can be creepy. He can be like he's hilarious in Ant Man and the Wasp uh, in the Ant Man series. He is so weird and fucked up in The Dark Knight, and I'm so jealous of this pick. I like my I like my pick very much, but like this is a good pick, Kenna. This is my this is this is a good one. <gasps> oh, also a good one. So in the next hundred episodes, I will <laughs> keep this in mind. Um, okay. <clears throat> I decided to pick a French-Israeli actor who could play the sort of conniving rival to Rick. I think that was a part of Benny's character that I had forgot is that they are in the French Foreign Legion together. They're mm -hmm. both soldiers together. They both discover the city of the dead. And then years later, they're both like running tourist groups. I guess Rick's not really doing it, but like Benny's starting to run like tourist groups to idiots who will like who will try and go there. Like, he's just, like, yeah. taking their money and leading them to their deaths because it's just, like, a way for him to, like, earn a living. Um, and I, that's such a fun character to have. Um, I picked an actor who, I don't know if you've seen him. I don't know if many people have seen him, unless you've seen Amazon's The Boys. Mm -hmm. uh, his name is Tomer Capone, and he is so good in that movie. Um, he plays, like one of the boys um and <laughs> he, he's sort of like a uh, like a french former like bomb builder um often kind of looking like 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 grizzled and and they're like constantly on the run and he is really really good like when i start i think i watched like almost almost the first season of that uh, show and he's like the one person that i was like this guy is so good mm -hmm. um so I would check out the boys just for him. Ooh. Um, yeah, that's who I picked. Not not as well known as uh, the the other guy, uh, David Desmalchin. Um, but yeah I, yeah, I haven't seen the boys yet, so I don't know this guy. But um, I would recommend. Listen. I would recommend. I so he's not in the first episode. So like, if you just want to watch him, I think is he in the first episode? I would I would start with two. And, and go from there. Um, he's so fucking good. Uh, but that was my pick. I love it. All right. Let's get to the titular character. The, the mummy. mummy. Played by Arnold Vosloo. Um, the mummy, a.k.a. Emotep. Um, <clears throat> this guy was way too good looking. I didn't I didn't know what to do. Like, here's the thing. I wanted to pick... Uh, it, it, it's hard because, like, if Rick is, like, the center of the universe for this movie... Like, he shares that spotlight with Emotep. Like, they picked an actor who is so magnetic to watch. Mm -hmm. um, but there's, like, a there's one moment where he's just, like, walking around in, like, a flowy robe and his, like, chest is out. And you're like, this dude is fucking, like, he's crushing it. Like, he, yeah. like, <laughs> it, it, it's weird. Like, 
there was a piece of trivia where like there was originally a line where Evie, when she sees him like re like juvenated and like and and I forget what the word is, but like um reincarnated. Mm-hmm. She was supposed to say like, oh my God, he's beautiful. So he yeah. was like written to be like a good looking guy. And it is sort of a love story. I, uh, here's the thing. <laughs> I leaned more for a culturally appropriate actor uh-huh. who could play a monster and less of an actor who would keep up the heartthrob storyline. I think, I think, uh, I just didn't want to pick like a Scottish actor or like an Asian actor. Like it just didn't feel right. So I chose uh, Egyptian-born Amir Waked, who is probably more f- French now. Like he's a, he's considered a French actor. Okay. Um, he's in the show Rami, which I haven't seen yet, but he's been in like a bunch of action movies. Like he was in Lucy, he was in Geostorm. Um, he is, yeah, he's not as like good-looking or as like buff, but he kind of gives me a. Uh, a kind of a Boris uh, Boris Karloff vibe, like the original Mummy. Yeah, yeah, I see that. And I was like, I like that. And he looks like he could play a menacing threat. And it's like, he's a villain, right? He's a mm-hmm. menacing threat. If this story is still going to be a love story, maybe it works in my favor that he's not like so uh, statuesque and like, you know, good looking, I guess. Like maybe it, it's more beneficial if he is more of a monster and then you get a little more of that horror kind of classic horror movie like the monster mm-hmm. chasing after the 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 woman it's the creature he's fully regenerated guitar me faros Aenilio, Isirian. come with me my princess it is time to make you mine forever for all eternity idiot kuntash dina Take my hand, and I will spare your friends. Oh, dear. Have you got any bright ideas? I'm thinking, I'm thinking. Let's think of something fast, because if he turns me into a mummy, you're the first one I'm coming after. So that was my pick. That's I my, think that that's instinct my guy. is good, too, that, like, ultimately... Ultimately, we kind of want to see him be the mummy, I think, maybe a little bit longer. Yeah. Because the the visual effect of it all, like that's the real that's the real scary stuff. Yeah. It's just unnecessary almost. I mean, yes, if you wanted to maybe kind of carry the love story part of it, like people love watching attractive people be in love, so that's one thing about it. But like <laughs> as a as a villain, like I I like this guy's look. I think you're right. He does weirdly have a Boris Karloffy yeah thing going on. Yeah, and you picked Rami Malek. <laughs> I the most famous Egyptian <laughs> actor in the world currently. Here's the thing. I did some research. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So in Egypt, in ancient Egypt, men and women could be uh-huh. priests. Okay. And there was a role for female priests that eventually rose to be like second in command to the pharaoh Uh and it was always a woman and your pick sophia batella no 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 (laughs) fine so she this is step one of my thought process okay so 
I, I envisioned a world where the there is not necessarily an ancient love story, but that it's an ancient power struggle um, mm. in which a woman desired to take over the throne and mm-hmm. was... Anyway, um, so there's that. Then I also did some research into what the racial makeup of ancient Egyptians was. Come with me on this journey. Okay. Because You're apparently... Like, turns out they were Greeks. Well, no, because... Jason... Ap- yeah. <laughs> Jason Manzoukas, <laughs> step on down. <laughs> if only. Um, so apparently there is this big debate in the historical community about whether or not ancient Egyptians were black. And oh. the overwhelming um, scientific and historical conclusion is that even though Egypt is in Africa and that some people like to assume based on the makeup of the uh, skulls, Mm-hmm. that have they have found in the country turns out you can't figure out someone's race based on their bones mm. so the people who claim that they are black are wrong and in actuality ancient egyptians probably have the same racial makeup that current um current egyptians do and that that particular like race of people is one that extends up like into sort of like the western uh into like the northwest above them and so they're similar to like romans and israelis Mm. anyway i did all of that to pick the most beautiful woman (laughs) in the world as the mummy (laughs) gal gadot come on down (laughs) yep that's what i did that's very cool i i was like gal gadot could also be ardith bay but gal gadot is wonder woman they were too similar but gal gadot as the mummy that is cool. Like that is different and the what she is usually doing. She's beautiful and intimidating and can accomplish a lot, I think, without saying a word, which is something that Emotep does. Yeah. And I just think it would be really cool to take someone we love and put them into the like have them embody a character that I think we also really like, even though they're the villain. Um, That's a really cool pick. And I've said this before, like, we need to start watching more Arab actors. Like, (laughs) the pool of Arab actors to pick from, coming from an American audience point of view, was very tiny. And And it's all, like, it's really unfortunate because it's all people who, like, have played the same parts. Yes. And that's kind of frustrating because you're like, I don't want to just keep casting you in the part of like very specific Arab character. Yeah. Um, Gal Gadot. I like that. All right. Um, we did it. 100 episodes. We did, uh, we did our, our. We did. Our centennial. Yeah. Our centennial cast. Uh, <laughs> but it wouldn't be, a, it wouldn't be a complete episode without Mr. Bernard Pepper. So why don't we get to where does Barry Pepper go? Kenna, where does Barry Pepper go? He wishes he could have been here tonight to help us yes. celebrate, but uh, unfortunately... He lost the Zoom login information. He <laughs> does not know who we are. <laughs> yet. Again, as we always say, yet. Um, where'd you put him? I made him a, a Mr. Henderson. This one's Mr. Henderson. The one that gets cornered by the like zombie people and is just no. like 
No, Henderson is the one who gets killed in the um, hotel suite. Oh, him. Was that the guy who actually auditioned for Rick? Yes. And the director was like, you're great, but you're not getting it. So I'm going to write you a whole new role. Yeah. Which we love. He's great. He's great. Um, I made Barry Captain Havelock, the Ugh. old like pilot that they find like in Winston the middle Winston of- Havelock. Yes. Um, he is one of my favorite moments because there's a part where they're like, he's asking them like, is it dangerous? And they're like, yeah, you're probably going to die. And he goes, hi, Joe. Do you really think so? <laughs> and there's something so cute about how much he wants to die. <laughs> yeah. I just love seeing like sort of a drunk, like, ex-military guy in the middle of nowhere just being like yeah i was stationed here they forgot about me and now i'm living in fucking hell um (laughs) uh would you remake this movie okay here's the thing i'm gonna say no because i think that they should just retcon the dark universe ignoring the 2017 remake and just make the mummy a part of the current dark universe. Here's how you do it. I think if the dark universe is looking for a sort of Nick Fury character to bring to bring the people together, to pull together all the different aspects of it, you don't need Russell Crowe. Who you need is Ardeth Bay. <laughs> so he's immortal? No, not okay. necessarily. I mean, yes, probably. But really, logic doesn't need to play a role in this. Okay. Especially because in the second movie, they do reincarnate a character from ancient Egypt. First of all, because it would be a great excuse to just get Oded Fair into a, 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 a new movie. And here's the thing. If you thought at the ripe age of 29 in The First Mummy, he was killing it. The man is a silver fox now. (laughs) And so I think it would be a really interesting turn to pull a character from this movie into the modern movies to sort of play it out like like he has become the protector of all things, like monsters. He has become the ultimate defender of the world who's trying to pull together the good monsters in a way... That yeah. would be exciting. I think that I think that would be interesting and a way to protect this movie. Here's the okay. So here's the thing: we've only seen the Invisible Man, and the Invisible mm-hmm. Man is so far removed from this kind of magic, you know, transformation, yes. magic spells kind of kind of stuff. We'll see what happens with the Wolf Man. Like if the Wolf Man is more like Full Moon kind of dark magic you like werewolf bites you you transform it or if it's like they take a more science approach to it um what is a science approach to werewolves like crispr genetic engineering you know what i mean like dna uh splicing basically that would be a scientific take as opposed to, like, the ancient wolves, like, dark, dire wolves who, like, bite you and you become a, you know, cursed sort of wretch that's meant to, like, wander the earth. Um, right. I I think I... Okay, so there's two trains of thoughts here, right? One is the dark universe. Will, the, will this happen? The second thing is, should you remake the mummy? Should you remake this mummy? My answer is no. They will remake the mummy. I think it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. 
So coming back to the first question, what does that version of the mummy look like? I, I like your version where it's like, let's save this mummy movie as part of a larger universe. I think like, I think that should have been the move. I don't know. That, like that should have been the maybe move that's, a while maybe, ago. Maybe that's what happens. Maybe this is, maybe, because I like the idea of how like, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen the invisible man but part of the movie is that at the end of the movie our our heroine essentially she takes the the body suit the invisible man body suit and i think we're supposed to think like she has it for a reason yes and so then it's like oh the invisible man becomes the invisible woman who is now the good character and so if we play off that idea that like there is a monster, but then our character becomes a better version of that monster. What if there's a good mummy? But that's what happened in 2017. That's what they did in the remake. Tom Cruise essentially becomes the mummy and then is like a curse to wander the land trying to break the curse. And it's not f like... No, but like we we roll out with the good mummy. Because like take a character that like we love from the movie this series of movies and create some story in which they as like some sort of punishment are like condemned to die as a mummy and they get brought back and it's like i'm not a bad mummy i'm a good mummy and i'm here to help you here is my because mm. the whole like the whole tom cruise thing like happens in a way where you're like oh okay like, the whole thing is just a really bad setup for something that we don't care to see. Okay. <laughs> okay. I texted you this. I actually thought the first half of that movie is fine. If not, some parts were, were pretty good. Until the Dark Universe starts wedging itself in there. Until Russell Crowe is like, my name is Dr. Hyde. And, uh, uh, or Dr. <laughs> Jekyll. Oh, I'm here to fight evil in the Paradigium. I'm like, as soon as that happens, I'm like, I don't give a shit. Um, and I love the Invisible Man so much that I'm like, I, it's, it's worrisome to build a dark universe off of that movie that includes magic in a way, because that movie is about domestic violence that like, that's so far mm -hmm. removed from ancient spells and ancient mummies. I don't know exactly how you do it. I, if this is the plan <laughs> for Elizabeth Moss's Invisible Man, I would say this, that like, I would just, I would just make a movie where the you delete all of the sequels and the reboot. Mm -hmm. You just say the mummy. You could even say maybe the mummy 2 is still there around. And you just start with the book of the dead. The book mm -hmm. of the dead is a real thing. And it's just discovered again. And then that opens up an, some kind of story about like someone who is desperate to live forever. Someone who is desperate to like live beyond. To like the learn the secrets of death. And and. Maybe that is a basis for what kind of story you're telling, because that to me seems a little more modern, like the Nick Fury thing that they really tried to do. That's where this universe loses me. That's where this universe is like, I don't want anyone to bind them together to come to fight. Like, who are they going to fight? That's the other thing. Who are they going to fight? But I don't I don't know if it's necessarily about like fighting. Like, I don't want them to be the Avengers, you know? I think that's what originally they did want, though. 
Right. And but the thing is, I think that's also like the mistake of making because there's something so like when we meet that Russell Crowe character, there's something so League of Extraordinary Gentlemen about it where you're like, <laughs> no, no way. pass. No hard pass. way. Yeah, I'm not doing that. And I think it just needs to happen a little more organically where like there's someone who lives in the world mm-hmm. who I, Again, I'll fight for this idea. I think that's why Ardeth Bay is such like taking a character like that, especially as an established character and bringing them into the world. That's what's so cool about that is that he is a sort of like that is just who he is in this movie. He's a sort of hooded figure who cares about the the safety of the world and the understanding that there's evil and that he has been charged with fighting that. Like it's less about like a grand scheme for some corporation to unite monsters to fight some bigger <laughs> yeah. entity. And it's more just about, oh, how, Hey, see. you I have a unique that. ability and I just want to like, and as someone who also has a unique ability, like we are people who have to protect like that. I buy that. I, okay. You sold me on that idea. I would also, here's the, here's where I will say, yes, I would watch a mummy four. I would watch a mummy of movie. This cast of, no, like I would watch a fourth installment of this franchise that has significantly fallen off the edge here. And I would bring Brandon Fraser back and I would force awakens this bitch and basically be like, it's like 1950 or whatever. And there's just like a new mummy, a new bunch of explorers. And then shit gets out of control. And then there's Rick O'Connell, who's just like, mm-hmm. maybe his wife has passed away. Maybe he's like fallen out with his son and it's just him. Uh, like, and he's there. Just it's just a way to get Brandon Fraser back into our lives, doing what he should have been doing for these last fifteen years, and he just hasn't. Like, I would watch that for sure. I would watch that. Like, who's not going to watch it? Like a fun action adventure mummy movie in the desert. Like, it just yeah. Anything else before we bury this this movie back into the annual an- annals of of movie history and. I, I was almost going to say that you're not allowed to talk about this movie. Really. <laughs> no, I can't. It informs uh, so much of my life. Um, but before we kind of put it to rest until until we do it for episode 200, we'll talk about mu- the mummy too. <laughs> um, I don't I don't know what words there are to wrap up my sincere affection for this film. It's beautiful. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us on this very special extra long episode of Rebooted. I hope you like this episode. I hope you loved our past 99 episodes. Please go check those out. Stick with us next week or next episode. We're going to have a a wonderful movie for you guys that we're going to recast and another 99 ahead of us. So, Kenna, where can the people find us? You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. Stop by and leave us a rating and review. Subscribe if you want to. That's really the best way to help us out. You can also find us now on Ko-fi, where you can go to make a very small donation to help us keep making this podcast. That link is in our description and all over Twitter. Speaking of Twitter, we are still on Twitter and Instagram on the same handle. It's so easy to remember, at RebootedPod. That's it. Thanks, guys, so much for joining us, and we will see you next time.
This is a podcast about movie reboots. I'm Brian Flynn. I'm with Kenna Trent. That's me. Kenna, how you doing? You know, I had a pretty good day. Yeah? Wearing my Backstreet Boys t-shirt. Ice that always see. gives me a little bit of confidence boost. Zhuzh. Yeah. I never feel better than when I'm wearing Nick Carter. I'll say that. Oh, all right. Good to know. Kenna, why don't you explain what we're doing here today? Okay, so what we're going to do today, and maybe again, we'll see how this we'll goes. We'll see. Who knows? Let's not, let's not get too confident. 